0: The following is a sermon that was preached at Faith Lutheran Church in Sharpsburg, Georgia. For more information about our church or to hear past sermons from Faith Lutheran, visit GeorgiaFaith.com. Thank you for listening. These Advent midweeks, we've been looking at a series of three, Advent Doubt, Advent Faith and Advent action. Last week, we saw Advent doubt in the person of Zechariah. When Gabriel came and announced the birth of the forerunner, his son, Zechariah looked at the promise that his wife, who had been barren her whole life and now in her old age, thought that she would have a child he doubted. And he had his mouth closed until God's words were fulfilled at the appointed time. Today, our reading in from Luke chapter 1 Begins with a really interesting line. It says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. I mean, think about what that means. That means God had kept his promise, right? This unbelievable thought that Elizabeth, the barren elderly woman, could have a child, God had worked this great miracle, right? And it just it announces that and it reminds us, the, the hearers, the, the readers of Luke's gospel, that God was beginning. To unfold all of his miracle promises about the messianic kingdom. And so when the the audience of Luke's gospel, when you and I hear the next words, God then sent the angel Gabriel out again. Every child of Israel would be wondering where was he sending Gabriel to next. Because think about where he had just come from. Gabriel we had just seen at the glory of the temple in the most holy place, standing next to the altar of incense interacting with the priesthood in the person of Zechariah. Now God's sending out Gabriel again. This angel that we we learned last week had last appeared by name in the book of Daniel, telling God's people that the messianic kingdom was coming. And now he appeared in the temple itself saying the time had come. God was going to start keeping his promises. So I'm sure that the first audience in uh, of Luke's gospel when they heard that the angel Gabriel was going out again they had to be on the edge of their seats and wondered where did he go from the temple I think they might have raised a few eyebrows when Luke said well to Nazareth in Galilee because well you know how many times Nazareth is mentioned in the Old Testament prophecies? Zero. Zero. Nazareth isn't talked about with the Messiah at all. in Galilee? Honestly, Galilee was the kind of place that if you were in the religious establishment in Jerusalem, you looked down your nose at Galilee, because Galilee wasn't just backcountry. It was Gentile country. Because uh, this northern province was usually the first one that was attacked by foreign enemies and resettled with foreign peoples. So Galilee got a reputation. It was called Galilee of the Gentiles. What good thing could come from there? So you would think the first hearers of this gospel had some questions on their mind. But then, with the next words that will come out of Luke's mouth, we hear something that must have made their ears perk up, made their hearts start to beat a little faster. Because it says this, He sent Gabriel to a virgin, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The word virgin and David in the same sentence would have made any believer's ears perk up a little bit because there were some mighty powerful promises attached to those two words in combination. Mighty powerful. Anybody here have read J.R.R. Tolkien's books, or seen a movie at least, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, any of those things, a few? All right, I'm not going to give away any secrets, but J.R.R. Tolkien was a great Christian apologist and a guy who wrote Christian analogies, and if you look at those books or those, well, I don't know about the movies, yeah, the movies too, they're really Christian analogies, and he tells the story of a promised king to restore a fallen kingdom, right? So if you're into Lord of the Rings, you know what I'm talking about. Gondor is the great, uh, a great kingdom of men who had a great and glorious past, but their king had died, and with him had died, the power and the glory of the kingdom. You could look around and see amazing testaments to what the kingdom used to be, but it was a shadow of its former self. But in the book and in the movie, he teaches that every person in that kingdom still held in his heart a hope that one day the true king would return and sit on the throne in the white city. Tolkien's book is so good because, uh, well, his story about a return of a king is pulled as an analogy directly to the story that we're hearing about today, the greatest king story in history. Because, you see, what would have grabbed the people of Israel's attention so much was those words, David and virgin. Remember, David was the name of their great king. David was the point at which the Davidic dynasty was at its peak, and the glory of Israel went throughout the Levant. But after David, the king's in his line, didn't follow the Lord, and eventually, well, the Babylonians came and they cut off the family tree of David, left nothing but a stump. But for the people of God, they had questions about that because to David, God had made some pretty unique promises. He said that David's dynasty would rule forever. Now, what do you do with that? when the tree, family tree of David was cut off. But yet deep in the heart of the people of Israel was the hope that a son of David would return, that the king would return to his city and restore the kingdom to Israel. So when you hear Virgin and David in the same sentence, every believing person of God in Israel, they started thinking about these promises God made that when this descendant of David comes... He's going to be born in a very special way. See, one of the failing kings of David's line, when he was oppressed by enemies, he wondered if God could save his people. And God said, I'll give you a sign. You ask for anything you want. Heavens above or earth below, you just name it. And this unbelieving king said no. And God said, well, then I'm going to give a sign for the whole world. A sign for the whole world that the king will return and save his people. Isaiah chapter 7, a virgin will be with child and we'll give birth to a son, and this child will be God with us, Emmanuel. Right, so God said, here's how David's kingdom is going to rule and dynasty last forever. When the king returns, it's going to be a different kind of person, a virgin-born person who is God with us in the flesh. So Luke's audience must have kind of drawn forward to the edge of their seat when they heard about a virgin and a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel says to her, greetings you who are highly favored. That's an important word there. Um, Mary was about to be given a grace unlike anyone else in the history of the human race, that this child Emmanuel, that the son of God, would be through her, within her. And that is a grace of the highest order. That's what that means, you who are highly favored. Someone whom God has graced in an exceptional way. The Lord's with you. You know, Mary, it says was troubled by this greeting, I can imagine. Uh, But the angel Gabriel, he announces even more. He says that that hope that had lain fallow in the hearts of the people of Israel for centuries, that hope was about to be fulfilled. He said, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus, Jesus was not a unique name. There were a lot of people named Jesus running around in first century Palestine. It was a name like Joshua in the Old Testament. But even though the name was common, what God was going to do through this child was not. Because you see, what that word means, Jesus means the Lord saves. And God said every little boy running around Palestine named the Lord saves was pointing ahead to this moment when God was to become man in the womb of a virgin that he might save his people from their sins. And Gabriel says, he will be great. This king that's coming back, he will be great. You remember last week, uh, Gabriel said of John the Baptist, he will be great before the Lord. There's no, there's no qualification there here. No, because just like John's birth was superseded by the miracle of Jesus' birth, right? God took an elderly barren woman and she conceived. This was going to be a completely different thing, a virgin conceiving. In the same way, John was going to be great before the Lord, and Jesus, well, just, just great, because he will be the Son of the Most High. One of the persons of the Trinity would take on flesh to be the one through whom the Lord would save his people. The king would return, in the person of the Son of God made man. And then listen to what he says. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end." Every promise of the Old Testament was going to be fulfilled in this king who was returning to his people. Here is how David's line would reign on his throne forever and ever. Now Mary's response is a little interesting. Um, Sometimes when we come right off of last week when we see Advent doubt, when Zechariah's going, hey, by what can I know that this is going to happen? We see Mary ask a similar question, but it's really very different at its heart. In fact, if you read it in Greek, you look at Zechariah, he says, by what thing, by what what sign might I possibly believe this? Because kind of what you're telling me is unbelievable that an old lady who's been barren her whole life is going to have a baby. He started from a, a position of doubt. Mary simply asks, how will this be? I mean, It's going to be, just how? Because I'm a virgin. Remember Mary, remember the promise. It's precisely because you're a virgin that the promise God says here will come true. Because this returning king was not going to be the son of any sinful man, but the son of God himself. So Gabriel... Explains, and When I read this later, I want you to think about the fact that he gives her an explanation, then he gives her a promise, then he gives her a sign, then he gives her reassurance. It's interesting. Uh, God never asks us to follow in blind faith. He always gives us the testimony of his word. He always gives us the testimony of witnesses. He always gives us the assurance of the Spirit in our heart the guarantor, the down payment of this this future glory we have waiting for us. He does not ask us to believe blindly. He does, however, ask us to believe. Because Gabriel gave her the explanation. He said, the, the the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. I don't know how that works. Not at all. But you know what it pictures for me? Genesis 1. When God the Father is creating the earth out of nothing and God the Son is there and no one, nothing is made without him and hovering over it all is the Spirit of God working his creative work. And God says, just like I created this world out of nothing, in you, through you, Mary, the promised child will come. So Mary, you know, what, what does she do? And she was going to have some hard days ahead. She was going to have some difficult conversations. She was going to have to bear a lot of things more than just Jesus. But here's the thing. You know what Mary did? She simply received the wonderful grace God poured into her hands. That's what faith is. I mean, sometimes we get a mistake. Faith isn't us striving for something. Faith isn't us choosing something. Faith isn't us, uh, uh, us uh, uh, striving after something. Faith is simply receiving into our hands the grace that God pours into us. That's it. Simply believing. Mary says, oh, the Lord's servant, of course may it be to me, as you've said. God calls on us to that same kind of Advent faith. Not striving, not choosing, not fighting, just simply receiving the grace that he'll pour out into us because the king's come back. A reading from Luke chapter one. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. The Gospel of the Lord.